in the Willamette Valley, in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to The Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. Wherever you may be listening, night or day, in this world. Episode number 58, The Institution of Marriage. Men, listen to this before you end up in a straitjacket. What I wanted to say, first of all, is that um, for many of my listeners out there, you know that one of the reoccurring themes in my broadcast talks about the issue of honesty and um, not pussyfooting around and telling it like it is. Unfortunately, for some people, the realities of life are a bitter pill that apparently is hard to swallow. But I'm going to delve into it again. So, what I will preface here is that if you are thin-skinned to the point that you are so easily offended, well, maybe you should turn the dial. Because that's not what I'm about. I'm about telling you what you need to hear and what you should be listening to and not just processed, prepackaged garbage. I'm not trying to placate you. I am not trying to um, satisfy <clears throat> a longing to simply belong and go along with the herd. No one who was ever great went along with the herd. So, I am not talking about what I'm talking about simply for the sake of being or wanting to be offensive I'm just going to tell you how I see how the way it is that is sometimes very often as a matter of fact backed up by science sociobiology as a matter of fact happens to be one of my specialties of interest how human beings tick in spite of ourselves. For instance, small example. Did you know that even in common speech, common language, basic communication, people lie over 80% of the time? Even when there is actually no real reason to lie. What does that say? Well, what it says to me, 
And apparently what it says to the people who do these studies is that, um, generally speaking, people lie a lot. <laughs> people lie a lot and they're pretty good at it. And uh, oftentimes they even lie so well they believe their own lies or what's more commonly referred to as bullshit. I, on the other hand, in my life, have chosen a different path. I have taken the very, very steep and high and rocky road. Maybe I'm a masochist. I don't know. But um, I guess what part of it is, is that when I look back on the really stupid mistakes that I made in my own life, I can get, well, at times, frankly, I can get really depressed. Because, once again, reality kicks me in the ass. And that represents time. And that's the one thing you can't get back. Is time. So, there's almost like this, I guess, in a sense, what you might say is this... <clears throat> fatherly attitude that I have and I don't know I mean perhaps it comes with getting older um, it, it might be I don't know there was a very famous entertainer that uh, told me once we're still friends and um, he happens to be older than I but when we were of a comparable age difference many years ago, and he was basically at where I am at now, age-wise, I asked him about this subject and that subject, and at one point he just threw his hands up in the air and he says, I don't know, I screwed up, maybe I told you the wrong thing. Hell, maybe I'm getting old. I said, are you sure you're not just kind of forgetful? Or He's like, no, maybe I'm getting old. I mean, I don't know. I've never gotten old before. And then we kind of laughed together. And I really didn't understand it then. But I understand it now. So here's the deal. The deal is, is I try to the best of my ability to help other people to avoid the problems and potential chaos, craziness, even financial ruin that befalls so many people. And that happens to be part of the story that we're going to get to shortly. So the thing is, as the old saying is, that when you're up to your ass in alligators is a bad time to remember that your initial goal was to drain the swamp. 
And that is so true. <laughs> There's another saying, of course, that is hindsight's always 2020. But you know what? That particular saying is bullshit. It's bullshit, and I'm going to tell you why. Because after I have reflected not only on my own life, but other people as well, um, dumb mistakes, we honestly tend not to learn from our dumb mistakes. And so it's, it's almost as though we were that Greek god who was punished by Zeus, I believe it was. The name won't come to me at the moment. Forgive me, maybe it's my age. But you know, the one, the one who is destined for all eternity, his future is nothing but to roll a big rock up the hill. And then it rolls all the way down to the bottom and he has to go down and he has to push the boulder all the way up the mountain again. I'm thinking it's Dimocles or something like that. The beauty of the writers of that time was the descriptive graphic terminology that they used. The stuff's just wonderful. I strongly suggest reading it sometime. Plato's really good. But anyway, this is not a treatise on Plato or any other Greek philosophy. This is, um, this is just about something that uh, I happen to witness, and I still had that, I had that reticence of getting involved. But in this case, I, I forced myself, and I said, well, if you don't do it, Maybe, apparently, no one else will. Can't count on other friends. Can't count on family members. Because, well, there could be several reasons, but mainly because, uh, you know, who wants to be a, who wants to be a spoil sport? Who wants to be a Debbie Downer? And, uh, well, in this case, me. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I don't want to be gotten wrong on this. I don't, I am not this rainy, dark cloud that comes around and is going to ruin your party. I do not do that. Some people will claim that I do that, but I don't. I will at least say certainly not intentionally. As a matter of fact, when it comes to social situations, for the most part, I have learned to turn my advice brain and mouth off and shut the fuck up. <laughs> okay? As they say, Silence is golden. 
and uh, so many there's so many sayings about this you know of for instance if you don't have something good to say then don't say anything at all so okay I understand that but in this case this is the best way to describe this and this is this is something that I have witnessed over and over again and it's very unpleasant I call it the slow train wreck of life now this comes from watching this particular this particular um, occurrence happen and I've seen it many times and as a matter of fact I although witnessing it in the past I didn't speak up I didn't say anything which is why I mentioned to you folks to drop me a line and you could talk about anything that you want whatsoever and we'll talk and um, so I've I basically <clears throat> decided to become much more proactive in my life and you know some of this is to the point of being silly you know being in a supermarket and someone goes to uh, buy a particular thing and and very you know politely but I'll say uh, hey you know uh, I, I didn't have really good luck with that brand and this is because well either I didn't have very good luck with that brand or I've already done the research and I know that that product is shit and I try to steer them in the direction of something much better doesn't necessarily mean much more expensive but something better that kind of thing and although it may seem like a small thing that's the kind of thing the kind of chit chat this goes this is coming from you got to remember this is coming from an older guy and actually in that aspect I'm very thankful of this that our minds and our brains and our eyes weren't glued to a touchpad known as our smartphones when you're actually looking around and actually observing what's going on around you I think this is very important my god observation when observation becomes a lost art so um, yeah for that reason I routinely uh, will give people advice even standing wherever you have to typically stand in line you know usually say the supermarket or what have you but yeah if I have uh, a couple three people around me and you know it seems like uh, an opportune moment I'll I'll start talking about something and you know what it feels really good 
just like what I'm doing for you right now. Because you know what? I'd be willing to bet you, you may be driving, whatever it is you may be doing. Well, I've been running my yep for the last oh, 16 minutes. And maybe in that time, your thoughts of your troubles have been taken from your mind. And maybe your blood pressure has come down a few points. And that is good. That is the point of human communication. And you don't get that effect from a text message. So, if we bear that in mind, now I can move on to this great story that I wanted to tell you. Because you, in fact, may be one of those young men out there, and I say young men specifically, about to make a horrendously terrible, horrible decision in your life. And I would like to tell you something about it. As anyone knows right now, um, there is a great deal of friction between the sexes. Um, men and women are having serious difficulties. And there are many factors that are responsible for this. Too many to cover in this broadcast. So what I am going to limit it to concerns marriage. Okay? One of the worst things right now, I'm talking about now, in the current economic, but mainly social and legal climate that you can do is get married. Now, before any of my more conservative listeners out there, before anyone runs and changes the dial, all I ask is that you hear me out. Um, <clears throat> the, um, the institution of marriage is not what it was even 30 years ago. Certainly not what it was before that. Because on the side of, let's say, women, um, they had what you would call more clearly defined roles, and they accepted those roles, as did the man accept his role. And um, when, you, when you have that kind of cohesion, um, then, yeah, you can have marriages that, you know, 
uh, are much more likely to last a lifetime. And one of the reasons for that, quite simply, is that they're on the same page. They're on the same page and they accept their positions and that was it. Um, so if you know anything about this and you probably do what I'm talking about as far as a traditionalist arrangement, well, in when we go back into the, you know, looking at the history of these kinds of arrangements, it, um, it seemed to work pretty well for a very long time. Um, until some radical people had some radical ideas and it kind of, sort of, um, really took off in the 60s. Now, this may not be news to you. This, this may be something that you've heard before, perhaps many times. But I can't emphasize enough that what my experience has been is that <clears throat> when we as humans, regardless of our sex, when we follow what has been shown, even with current studies and statistics, what our core behaviors and natures are, Things tend to work out a lot better. Now, and certainly, I don't know, in the last, certainly in the last 10 years, 20 years, um, that the data is in. The data's in. And I recognize that uh, everyone who is on the uh, left side of this and the uh, feminist third generation feminist uh, what some call aka man-hating ink um, absolutely refuse to recognize um, yeah, they're wrong. Now, I'm not saying that we have to go all the way down the line into, you know, say the unequal distribution of responsibilities that perhaps was typified in the 50s, but not too much awful far from that. 
Um, that is why, at least with those that have lived through all this and have the experience, the ones still around, there's not that many, but they're still around. And when you ask them, okay, so, you know, you uh, did this thing for, you know, 50 or more years. What's the secret? And every single time it was, you know, respect and kindness. And it's not a situation where I am better than you. We're just different different strengths on each side and recognizing that but staying true to that nature now I'm saying all this because I know a young man and he's a he's a, a, a really good guy works in a financial institution and he's He's a hard worker, and he's just a good guy. And um, I have known him for a number of years. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, he told me, hey, he was getting married. And, of course, my antennae went up immediately. And I mauled over it for a while, and I asked him, uh, I'd asked him what his what his plans were and oh he was real eager and he filled me in and he said, Yeah, well we're 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 having a real a really big, more traditional wedding, meaning they're gonna spend or rather he is gonna spend a lot of money. So they're doing the full wedding thing and after that, for their honeymoon, that means a one-month stay in Hawaii. And when I, uh, when everything was said and done, I was, uh, I didn't want to be direct about this, but, uh, you know, I did have to ask him. I said, hey, this is, this is going to be quite a bit of coin. He says, and he just kind of chuckled and he laughed. He says, yeah, well, you only get married once. And, and he says, hey, I have really good credit. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, you got really, you got really good credit now. <laughs> right. Um, so I mulled over this whole train wreck, at least as I viewed it. And I uh, said, you know, I gotta, I gotta talk to this guy. And we sat down and, you know, this was obviously when he wasn't at work and I must have, I guess, I don't know, talked to him for at least an hour, hour and a half. And it wasn't in a, I tried not to do this in a preachy way, but kind of like, uh, almost like a fatherly kind of way. But, you know, I ran everything that I had to say past him. And fortunately, he is, he is really smart and he's not pig-headed and he considers and he thinks about it. And when I got done telling him all the reasons why this was a horrible idea, Mal, note, I didn't 
say that he shouldn't necessarily be with this person. I just said, you shouldn't get married. And furthermore, I said, um, there's some, there's some very, very good things that you could propose and, you know, see, see where that goes, see where it flies. And he was actually curious and he, he said, uh, okay, yeah, so like what, what, sh what do you think, what should I do? And I said, well, I said, um, instead of, for instance, dumping that 50 grand, because the whole thing said and done, that's going to set them back about 50 G's. And I said, so first of all, uh, yeah, it's all beautiful and nice, but is 50 G's really worth a month? And, you know. And I said, besides, I ran all the facts and figures about current marriages and all the data that I had about this. And <clears throat> he, he did take an interest. He wasn't, he wasn't insulted because he was so emotionally captivated by it. You know, he, fortunately, he could still listen. He could still see what I was saying. And, uh, so I said, yeah. So I said, really? I said, to put this as, as simply as I can, what you should do is, um, of course, you know, stay with the, with the gal and uh, have a talk with her and explain that um, something like, I don't know, hey, I... I love you, you love me, that's great, but I don't think us jumping out of the gate together and being 50K in the hole is really a smart move. And you could change this around and say, well, how about if we don't get married, but I'm going to take all that money and I'm going to invest it in some property. I'm going to do something useful with the money. Um, if you think that's a good idea, we should talk about this. So, um, no marriage. Um, everything is low key. Everything is going as as it is as it has been but um yeah if you you know if you really think i should uh take that excess money or potential debt money and invest it and for instance i don't know even in today's market i mean 50k down payment on a you know a decent modest home is that's a pretty good uh that's a pretty good investment. That's a pretty good deal. So we can bypass all the other stuff um, and uh, start out of the gate actually really ahead. And, uh, you know, investing in some real estate um, would be uh, a good idea. It's certainly, as I said, 
we'd have a huge chunk of money as a down payment on a home. And I think that that is a really good idea. And he kind of chuckled and he said, I don't know. He says to her, that might sound crazy. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, you're chuckling now. You may be chuckling now. But after you get married, after your signature, after the, the deed is done and the papers are signed, and then when you do all these other things after that is done, and then let's say it happens, matter of fact, statistically, it happens a great deal that... Uh, you know, it might be two, three years, who knows. And, um, you know, she wakes up one morning, looks at you and says, uh, Hey, I don't like your, uh, I don't like your hair color anymore. I don't, uh, I think, I think we need to be in different lives. I think we, I think we, we're actually different people now. I think, I think, I think, I think. So, you know, hopefully, if you're not that emotionally charged, you can hopefully see what I'm getting at here. And he doesn't have to suffer the slings and arrows of the outrageous fortune of uh, committing himself to this. And... Anyway, so when I was said and done, he looked at me, he says, okay, so let me see if I get this straight. I tell her, uh, I don't want to get married, that the wedding, the big fancy wedding with the dress and the ring and the month we're going to honeymoon in Hawaii, all that's gone, all that's off the table. And that's what I'm supposed to run past her because they were... It was going to be, I think, around two, two and a half months before they actually were supposed to do this. And I said, yeah, that's simple. I said, yeah. And he, again, he nervously laughs. And this, that, and the other. I said, tell you what, consider this a litmus test. I said, you could try it this way. Maybe, maybe this will work for you. Are you listening to this, guys? Because I don't know if you're laughing or if you think I'm crazy, but I'm sincerely asking, are you listening to this? Okay. So I told him, I said, well, you should, with your absolute best poker face, and you can't crack up, you can't break character, you don't have to be mean or you don't have to be harsh. Just a very, you know, serious, serious tone and say, yeah, that, and, and, and propose it. I said, just to see her reaction. And her reaction, it could either be immediate, as has happened before, when I've told other young men about this, or it could be delayed. I don't know sometimes a week, two weeks, three weeks. 
And it can be anything from the immediate big blow up to a delayed explosion. But in either case, that proves my point. So in his case, um, and this happened, he actually did this. He actually did this, and I got the word, you know, three, I guess about three days ago. And um, he said, I did exactly what you told me. And I said, yeah. And he said, and I really thought she loved me. And it's like, yeah, because she, he said, oh, God, Jesus Christ, she exploded. And I said, did she explode like a spoiled and impotent child that wasn't going to get the toy for Christmas that they so wanted? He's like, yeah, like a princess that just couldn't accept that you were going to be her prince, her walking prince and going to and he's like yeah 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 <laughs> and he just matter of factly he said so he said yeah he said well so i said i guess does that mean the wedding's off and he says well the wedding's off and so's the relationship <laughs> now i hope I really hope none of you out there are just saying, oh, that's so sad. No, it's good. That's a good thing. Because, think about it. Do you think that this woman was really marriage material if after that, she acted like an impotent child and just actually he said she she cursed and she screamed yeah that was that's supposed to be the person that you were supposed to be with for the rest of your fucking life <laughs> and he felt relieved he said not now <laughs> And he sincerely thanked me. He sincerely thanked me. He said in all sincerity, he said, man, it's like, I, you know, I really, I really thought that I was so in love and I thought that she just, she just absolutely loved me. And, and we, we had just, you know, it's that, it's that phase. It's that, it's the thing. It's the romance. It's the thing. Because it's the pain of life, the trials and the tribulations, the hard-ass things of life that really build a relationship. And it doesn't, I mean, certainly, you know, between a couple, a man and a woman, who have quite literally been through hell together, and let's say they were together and they weren't married, if anybody should get married... They should get married, but they have shown through the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune 
that life threw at them that they helped each other and didn't have a lot of fanciness or, you know, any of that stuff. Hell, they may have had to work their way up while one of them is finishing their career training and, you know, they, they subsist on, you know, beans and hot dogs for you know, a year or two or whatever. It's, that's why there is the saying that suffering builds character. That suffering is actually good for the soul. And in this case, it's when a couple suffers together that they really, really appreciate each other. And if she couldn't even get through that, that is the point of what I'm talking about. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website, theearnestmanshow.com, and put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus, check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. I'm out of here.